This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture, with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. Do architects have obsessive personalities? I think most do, and today we're going to be talking about the things we obsess over. Today's episode is brought to you with support by Nadura. Hi everyone, I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Andrew Hawkins. And today we're talking about obsession, which sounds extremely titillating. Are you titillated, Andrew? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Now. I am now. I wanted, my goal was to work that word into a podcast. I think it's perfect. Uh, objective done. So we're talking about things that we obsess over. So they are objects of obsession. And so we need to spend a little bit of time just kind of setting the table for what that actually means. Because it's not the same thing as like, I really want it. Like, ooh, I really want. Because there's a thing that, and I want to say it because it might actually be the thing that you have and I don't want to poo-poo it like up front. Like I do all the hypothetical answers. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to take a minute just to talk about the caveat that you don't have to explain why you obsess over the thing that you do. You don't have to justify why it's worthy of your obsession. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. There's not a rationale for it. I think we can assume that there's always some level of irrationality associated with the things that we obsess over. For everybody. Yeah, they make perfect sense to us. Exactly. In my mind, it's 100% clear why this is so important. You will think that your logic is so beyond reproach. It's bulletproof. That if someone doesn't come to the same conclusion, the flaw is in them. Like, clearly, (laughs) they don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. So we came up with a list of things that actually turned out to be a lot harder than I thought. Yeah, it did for me too, actually. I was like, oh, that'll be easy. And then I was like, well, if it's not an actual thing. And I didn't want to go dark. Well, I could have, <laughs> but then I don't need to expose myself like that to everyone. Yeah. That'll so, be in the comment section. Exactly. Andrew, cheer up. It will it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. No, we should clarify. It could be an object that you obsess over. But it doesn't have to be. It's just kind of obsessive behavior, which is actually a good segue because I did a little research to kind of help set the table instead of us just listing stuff that we obsess over. Give us a background lesson in why we are the way we are. The way we are. So have you ever heard of obsessive compulsive personality disorder, which is OCPD? OCPD. Okay. So for those of you out there that haven't heard of this, the National Institute of Health, otherwise known as NIH describes OCPD as a mental health condition in which a person is preoccupied with rules, orderliness, and control. And doesn't that sound like every architect you have ever met? And AKA is an architect or an engineer for that profession. I'm pretty sure that sentence describing OCPD is on the bottom of my architectural license. (laughs) I think it's in the AIA credo somewhere. (laughs) Robert Borson has met the minimum standards for being preoccupied with rules, orderliness, and control. For following the rules, order, and control of the architectural (laughs) environment. Yeah, I would agree. But there is some confusion. Some people... Because, yeah, OCD, right? Yeah, there's a huge difference between OCD, which is obsessive compulsive disorder, and OCPD, which is the personality interjection in there. It's such a big difference that we should also, just to make sure that people know, people diagnosed with OCD, you know, the way it's kind of described is they have unwanted thoughts that get in the way of, let's say, proper, acceptable, functioning behavior. Like that's the, and I don't want to say worse, but that's the 
I don't know. It's debilitating. Extreme version of the people that, like, they got to lock the door five times and they got to do wash their hands a hundred times. Yeah, they spend hours washing their hands because as soon as they wash them, they think they're 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 not clean. Almost debilitating. It is debilitating. Whereas people with OCPD are typically highly functioning individuals who are convinced that their way of thinking is absolutely correct, if not superior to everyone else's, which is kind of how we started this whole thing off. Again, back to architects. Back to architects. (laughs) Yeah. That also sounds like every architect we know, right? Uh, Some of them, yeah. 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 Not us. Not you and Mew. I don't know that I think my ideas are superior. (laughs) No. I don't think my my ideas about those things I obsess over for sure are, but not everything. That's right. Well, that's an important distinction (laughs) to make as well. I don't think I'm right about everything, but the things I think I'm right about, I know I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know? Yeah. The people that know me know that I try to deliver the fact that I think I'm right about something with a little bit of humility and humor. <laughs> yeah. But in my panache. head, it's a little like, why do I have to tell you this? I shouldn't have to explain myself to you. Have I not earned you, enough cred? You moron. <laughs> I'd never go that road. Not, never, never. not out loud. No. You can't tell what's in my head. <laughs> so look, this is just for the people who are listening. If you do want to learn a little bit more about this, And I'm speaking specifically about OCPD. There's a book that I got recently that is written by a guy named Joshua Kendall. It was written about, I think it's like 2012 or 13, somewhere right in there. And it was titled, America's Obsessives, the Compulsive Energy that Built a Nation. And it's a pretty interesting book. It's full of people who became leaders in their respective industries, largely due to their obsessive tendencies and personality types. I mean, like Henry Ford and Steve stuff like Jobs. that. Yeah. And Charles Lindbergh, Thomas Jefferson, Ted Williams. These are all some people that were, they were all thought to have OCPD due to the evidence of behavior that they're aware of, even though obviously Thomas Jefferson was not diagnosed because it wasn't a thing. And the thing that's interesting about the book, though, is they actually list some of the behavior. I mean, it goes on a bit further and it talks about things like, Thomas Jefferson recorded every penny he ever spent in his life. Like that level of documentation, which doesn't actually serve a purpose, but it's just like, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. They also kind of, and I'm, I'm condensing a book into sound Four sentences. Yeah. But they talk about how there's like almost two sides to that person. There's kind of the public side. Let's say Charles Lindbergh, if I remember this correctly, he, you know, he donated a lot of money, built uh, hospitals, but Secretly, he would also log when his children did bad behavior. Like they smacked their gum. He would like. He's got a a diary of their kids. He would notate that. And you go, to what end? Why would you do that? So at some point, one day in the future, you can hand them those books and go, look, I was right. (laughs) (laughs) That's the the exclamation point to some argument in the future. Yeah, exactly. I can see that, that there's a double-sidedness to that because some of those things you don't really want to put out there. Yeah, They're so sort of your own compulsory behaviors. Yeah, right? it suggests that they have some control over it, unlike people who have obsessive compulsive disorders where they have no control over the thing that they're obsessing over. It would appear that people that are diagnosed or at least have the tendencies associated with obsessive compulsive personality disorder are very high functioning individuals, but they have that one, they have like a dark yeah. side. I mean, it makes you aware of it. I think that would probably be the difference with the having the personality part of it in the disorder is that you're cognitively aware of it. Where you mean, you may be with OCD, but it's at a different level. And sometimes it's viewed as a positive thing. I think most people would look at what Steve Jobs did in the time that he spent at Apple 
as a visionary individual. Productive, right? And yeah. his level of obsessiveness is what drove that company to the, achieve the things that they did. But on the other side, he couldn't have a functional relationship with human beings. And people would defer to, like, it's when he says, here's the level of standard. Well, it was his level of standard. Mm-hmm. And so no one looks at Steve Jobs and goes, well, that guy was, you know, had some issues. Well, maybe they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like maybe those that know him better, maybe they do. According to a little research on the internet, which we know is full of facts. <laughs> it's all facts. It's all internet. right. It's all facts. They kind of suggest that one on one relationships were pretty hard for the guy. So that's what we're talking about today is things that we obsess over. And so when I sat down to kind of come up with my list, which, like I said, I thought I was going to kill it. I was like, man, I got like 100 of these. I'm like, I know. I thought I had like three, 50. I came easy. up with three really fast. And I was like, okay, well, that's like five minutes. <laughs> not, I mean, if you know me, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But I go, I should, maybe, maybe I should target like five so we can cut some out if it gets boring or whatever. And you'll never know if we did. You won't know. <laughs> I only came up with four. And I don't even know if I'm going to talk about all four. It was hard. There's a problem. I think one of mine covers a pretty large spectrum of my life in a way. So it's kind of all-encompassing, even though it is a th- it's just one thing I obsess over, but it's pretty broad-reaching. So Okay, well, we got I got to hear it now. No. No, you started. No, you, uh-uh. I'm not going to start with that one. That's going to be the last one. That's going to be the, that's the peak of the mountaintop. I know you can't, you can't start there. All right. Oh, wow. I feel like maybe mine are. No, it's not that interesting. It's just, it is what it is, right? It's not, it's not fantastic <laughs> in its category. It's just uh, far reaching in its obsessiveness. So I came up with my list and they're not in any particular order. Like these are not the order that I came up with them, but mm-hmm. I did move them around for the purposes of our conversation today. So the first one I list is not like the one I obsess over the most. It's just, I'm going to ease people into it. <laughs> I'm going to start off with the least sort of neurotic thing. So yeah. my question though is, is just in general, I had a hard time. I mean, you gave me your list and there was a couple of things that I think were sort of professional related. Yeah. And for me, I had a hard time finding anything that was that specific. More of my obsession stuff is more like life. No, I get it. I don't know if that's good or bad, right? And maybe if I drilled down into it, I could get specific about work things, but they're so... I don't think you had... Minute and mundane. Sure. And I don't think that... So when I start to think about my list, what do I obsess over? It's things that preoccupy my mind and that if I don't have it a particular way or if I don't have the thing that I, that I might want to talk about... I spend a disproportionate amount of time concerned or worried about it. Like I, I got you. Yeah. Okay. I put in prep time and and it's almost like when we were setting up the equipment today, I have the microphone stand that I use and I couldn't find the part for it. And you're like, just go use the other one. And I was like, I don't want to use it. Like (laughs) I wanted to spend the extra 10 minutes to find that part because I didn't want to use the other one. That was perfectly fine. So I wouldn't say I obsess over it, but microphone stand is obsession number one. (laughs) So I'm going to talk about my microphone. (laughs) No. So that's kind of the premise was things that I won't even say they're unhealthy, but they're things that other people would look at and go, whatever. Relax, dude. Relax. Chill out. I know. Don't tell me to relax. (laughs) I think that's the best way to describe these things for me too. Is like, somebody's like, dude, just relax. It's just blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, it's not blah, blah. Yeah. Like it matters to me. This is the most important thing. Maybe not ever, but right now. I can't wait to hear what yours is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to start. I'm going to kick us off. So the first thing on my list that I came up with and I'm going to talk about, line weight. <laughs> and that is a professional one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a directly related to your work. It is related to my work. And I will tell you that 
it drives me. Cr- I mean, I do obsess about it. I have like the, from the type of pens that I use to how I change them out to how we draft every job I've ever worked in to this point in my life. I have changed the pen settings at every firm. Like they may have thought that they were good. (laughs) And I said, these are garbage. That's hysterical. We're changing it. I find that that's become a more difficult task though. As technology progresses, it's harder and harder to fix that. Well, okay. Let me clarify. Let me have you clarify that. Do you mean it's harder to fix it from a technology standpoint or the people using the technology don't have as solid a grasp on the role that pen weight plays? It's both. If you never have never drawn by hand, and I mean technical drawing, mm-hmm. you have no idea. I mean, none of the young people, no offense to all the young people, but. Oh, he totally means to. I just you. did. Don't have a real concept of the importance of line weight at all. And I try to teach it when I'm in class about, look, this is why this line's darker and this one's lighter and it, it makes things easier to read. But without having to have done all that stuff by hand, yeah. I think it's hard to get a grasp for it. But it my is. comment stemmed from an AutoCAD easy to figure out the line weights and set them all how you want. Revit, it gets a little more complicated. Yeah. For this point, because I don't obsess over Revit. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't want to make it a Revit conversation or a pen or a, an AutoCAD setting thing. I don't want to do that. But I will say that, you know, it's funny. I, I've written a lot of posts. I guess I shouldn't be surprised because I obsess over it. I've written a lot of posts where pen weight has a role and it's a topic and I talk about it. In fact, when I did my architectural graphics series 101, yeah. like one of the first ones I did was on pen weight. And I wrote in there, let's see if I can find it. I, I tried to write it down. So I do, I do sit down with everybody who works on my projects. And I said, this matters to me. It's going to matter to you by the time you're done. <laughs> Let me explain to you why I'm how right. to solve this problem. Yeah. Here's the rules. And I have a diagram that I've done it so many times. I've distilled it down into a single elevation with a wall trim, door opening, hole that kind of thing. So I can talk about what's near and what's far and go through it. Where it starts getting tricky is there's a little bit of artistic quality that you're asking people to make assumptions in order to execute the line weight. You still have to have a little bit of artist in you to do it. Because it's not like, there's no real, I can get you hard and fast rules that'll get you about 85% of the way. Yeah, that last 15% is something that's intrinsic almost in a way. When I wrote, I said, getting your line weights correct is 37% science, 59% art, and 22% personal preference. <laughs> those are great statistics. I'm sure those are valid percentage points. If you add them up, you'll know just how important line weight is to me. <laughs> so that's mine. I obsess over it. I mean, I literally I spend time on it. And I think it's important. And I think everyone else should think it's important. And there's always that one person. I can't even tell you the thoughts that are going through my mind or what I want to call that person. Who goes, <laughs> you're wasting your time. I love it. The look on your face is pretty awesome. Oh, it's about that right now. Just the memory of it's pissing I, me off. <laughs> <laughs> I dig line weight too, though. I mean, I'm. it's really important to me. Unfortunately, I feel like it's something that I've let go of a little bit. When I first started and when we were using different software, I mean, when I draw, it's still important by hand, but I don't do that as much anymore, as, definitely as you. But it's getting to be where I'm not the person that gets to be in control of it, so it's hard for me to mandate getting it right, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand the words coming out of your mouth, but I will say, like we use Revit in my current office, and there's a guy named Ryan who was great. I haven't talked to him in a long time. Loved him. Was really happy to have him working on my projects. Yeah, because he got it. And when I said this is important to me, and I walked him through how I, I mean, it was like a duck to water, and you could see him start to have a different level. And the same thing was with Landon. 
Yeah. Landon does good pen weight on his drawings. And it makes me so happy and it makes me feel like this pride and it makes me think they care. Yeah. I mean, that's how it starts to translate. So it's not just a like, I mean, I can argue all day that, hey, it's not just about the aesthetics. It's about clarity. But it also tells me things about ownership and responsibility of the drawings and the person that created it seemed like they cared because they actually put a little extra effort to make sure that no, the message they were. It goes beyond just the pen weight. Like, like I look at pen weight and I can go, I can tell if you're a piece of garbage or not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big deal to me. <laughs> right? So that's that was a yeah, good no, one. I get it. I that get was, it. So that was my first obsession. That springs up one for me, I think, that is professional related. And it's actually... It's drawing arrangement. Like how the drawings go on a piece of paper? Yes. Right. Like how a project is put together and the sequence in which, as I flip through a set of drawings, how that operates and how that works. And I know that there's standards for it, just industry standards. But to me, I'm really obsessive about the way that the drawings relate to one another on the sheet Mm -hmm. and how they're relating to the previous sheet or the detail that they're coming from and you know, just, just that total arrangement of, it's not just, oh, we got this detail, we're going to slap it on this page, and we're going to put this detail on that page, and that there's a, a very sequential and clear, if you were to drive a car down this road that's the project, that it's all going to be perfectly make sense as you go through the drawings. Sure. And I'm pretty fanatical about that as well, obsessive about it in my office, where I'll be like, just, no, you got to move this to the other page, or no, you've got to squeeze this down because it's got to fit on this page. And I'm like, well, but it doesn't fit in the grid or whatever, and I'm like, no. The grid is less important than the actual information contained on the page. Yeah. But I'm pretty I'm pretty obsessive about that in putting them together. And I think that I do it because to me it's the clearest way for somebody to get an idea about the building. Right. That there's this right. front to back, small well, I'm on board with I mean, that. I'm large to small, you know, that it's all and I used to have a a guy that worked for a pretty big construction company that rented an office space for me in my office. I get to look at all these drawings from all these other mm-hmm. 500 people firm and I'd go through and I'd be like, man, these are garbage. <laughs> it would be something to, that would always amaze me as I could look at these, you know, when they've got teams of people that could do these drawings and they, they were just not well organized. And then they didn't have any good line weight, especially when technology started to change that everything was one. That'll drive me nuts. If I open a set of drawings and everything is the exact same line weight. I'm out. Oh, I'm like, was oh, this engineers? <laughs> Burn. No, Burn. this is not, this means nothing to anybody if everything is the same. Well, I'll tell you, I'll, you know? so I'm on board with that 100%. Yeah. The thing that when I think of that and how the drawings on the page get arranged, because that's another, I'll sit down and say, hey, like for me, if I do a drawing in whatever blobby shape it is, the title bar underneath it says like five and then it has wall section, enlarged plan or whatever it is, yeah, scale. The leftmost edge of the drawing aligns with the left side of the title bar, the drawing bar. Mm-hmm. And the rightmost edge of the drawing is aligned with the... T- so, like, you make your title bar be the exact same width... Width of the drawing. ...that the greatest widths of your drawing are. And then when you do the next drawing, it's three-eighths of an inch. Like, the next one starts three-eighths of an inch away. Because I say, like, it puts order to the sheet. And I don't like white space on, oh, yeah? the, on the drawings. Interesting. I think that's the other thing about it is, to me, is the drawing set is really, to me, is a, it's an art. It's our art form. It's our art. Right? Yeah, we own it. It's right? ours. Yeah. And so, to me, that's it's very important the way that that comes out. So, I look at it from that sense that, and I'm pretty 
obsessed with well, I think, making those things I think work. part of the reason you can justify it is because there are people out there who would argue that it doesn't matter, but the fact that it matters to you and you can't convince somebody else that they're wrong is part of what makes it eligible for this. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. But okay. if they don't think it matters, they're wrong. Yeah, they're wrong. So there you go. That's what makes it. Yeah. That's what makes it right for this episode. Exactly. More from Life of an Architect in a moment. We're here with Bill Clymer, Senior Director of Sales, United States for Nudura Integrated Building Technology. Bill has worked in the concrete construction industry for 30 plus years. Nuduric insulated concrete forms are a proven method of providing you a better alternative to traditional building methods. Nudura insulated concrete forms are stay-in-place forms that offer you a variety of superior benefits when designing and building residential or commercial buildings. Nudura form consists of two panels of expanded polystyrene. That's one of my favorite words, by the way. <laughs> I love saying polystyrene. Polystyrene foam that are two and five-eighths inches in material. The forms are then stacked, reinforced, and filled with concrete, which completes the building envelope with my structure in one building step. Building technology has seen rapid advances in recent years, with owners, architects, designers, and builders looking for newer, more efficient ways to build their projects that are more comfortable, energy efficient, and environmentally friendly. That's like the trifecta right there, Bill. You're killing it. Hey, we try. Nudura insulated concrete forms have been meeting these demands on all types of projects, from the small private residence to large educational and military projects for years. And we're going to have a link at the bottom of today's blog post that's going to give you a place where you can go to get a free installation manual that kind of helps explain the system and how it works and how it goes together. Because that's really what we want people to know. Other than this low-hanging fruit about being safe and high-performing you know, that's easy stuff, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> everybody can get that. Everybody can do that. But not everybody can do it in one fail swoop and have it all done when you, I guess you don't really pull the forms off of it, but once it's dry, then it's all in place. It's done. You're done. That's right. And there is no pulling of the form, right? Yeah. No, no deconstruction of form. Or... It's a great product. I mean, well, yeah, there's sustainability it in that, in that portion, right? As far as loss of waste that you just, you know, put these things up and then pour them and it's done. We could take that to the delivery mechanism versus, say, masonry, too, when we talk about sustainability. You look at the number of trucks that have to travel down the highway, minimized by a system like ours, very light, less fuel cost, and ultimately be able to build out structures like your schools, your multifamily housing, hospitality, and a lot less destruction to our roads and highways and such. I love that. In Texas, we're known for our good roads. Did you know that? I have not heard that. Have you driven much in Texas? You know, I have not. I usually fly into Texas and end up wherever I'm going and to I go in a small... <laughs> I fly in and I fly out. You know, ironically, Texas is one of our largest markets for educational institutions. So nice. we do a lot of schools. You're sitting next to a higher ed architect right now, Andrew. Yeah, we do a lot of higher ed and... PK through 12 work. So I'm sure he's specified some new Dura insulated concrete forms already. But if he hasn't, I bet he's about oh, to yeah, start. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to try for sure <laughs> to start selling it. So Andrew, in Texas, you know the push for storm shelters has become huge, right? And yeah. across that market. And that's another area that we address quite effectively, being able to provide that fully reinforced concrete wall. That's a great idea. I had actually yeah, a, uh, hadn't even I, thought of that. I was thinking about it, but yeah, that's a good thing. This is a good interview, Bill. Yeah. 
I've got a lot of takeaways here. I'm definitely going to check it out for sure. Well, I appreciate you taking time to visit with us today. We appreciate the opportunity, educational side of it for you, the architect, for the contractors. We try to provide as many resources as possible. And that installation manual will be just one step to uh, helping you design and specify with new Dura. Yeah, and with confidence. The first step of many. Well, for more information, or if you want to contact new Dura yourself, you can go to www.newdura, that's N-U-D-U-R-A.com forward slash life of an architect. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Awesome. Thanks, yeah. Oh, it's a pleasure. Okay, the next one that I'm going to talk about could be construed as a professional characteristic or quality, Mm -hmm. but it's a life thing. It doesn't turn off when I leave the house. So this is a big deal to me, and that is to be on time. And I know you're dying because you're like the most late. I mean, we already know this, right? Yeah. So for me, I grew up in a household where it was like a mantra. I'm sure a lot of people have heard this. Let's see if I get this right. I should know it because I've heard to be early is to be on time. To be on time is to be late. To be late is to don't bother showing up. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's a level of of like respect and courtesy for other people's time. So if I say, hey, I'll meet you at two o'clock, I will not be late. I will be 10 minutes early and I will sit in my car down at the bottom of the street. And so that I roll up perfectly and I'm there exactly when I said I would. And when I tell you, I hope my wife and daughter don't listen to this episode. Not that they ever do. (laughs) (laughs) She does actually occasionally. My wife is not that bad. My daughter, it's like she has no idea. It's like, oh, you meant like this calendar year? We're going out to dinner? Well, I was going to tell you that. See, so my favorite retort to that whole thing is time. This this comes from a person who is notoriously late. Time is an invention. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It is a man-made construct. Even if I didn't actually put like measurables to it, if I said, hey, let's go get something to eat. When? Mm, How about, you know, in five clicks or whatever, whatever unit you want to kind of say so that we can like I can plan my time appropriately. It's a made up thing. Yeah, that's stupid. (laughs) I don't like being late. I just am. Yeah. I don't intentionally do it. I just I usually I don't want to stop or wake up. Well, that's different. I don't want to. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, it is. I don't want to stop what I'm doing in order to go do something. Like, I want to give the most I can to what I'm doing in that moment. And so for me to stop that and allow the time to travel or to go to whatever, that's where I lose it. That's why I end up being late. So if I'm in a meeting with one person and I've got another meeting at three, I feel like if it's 2.45, I shouldn't cut my two o'clock meeting short. I could should stay there until... I need to be right. That, that's an example of other problems that you have. Cause you can say like, don't schedule two meetings. meetings back I know, to back. but it doesn't always work that way. Yeah. Uh, I think you can kind of work that stuff sometimes out. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can. Or when you start the meeting, you go, Hey, I have a hard stop at two forty-five, And so I that do. means I don't want to hear your fishing stories as much as I love them. But if we're in the middle of it, you know, I don't know. No. Cause then what happens to the, the person that you're supposed to meet at three o'clock? They're sitting there like some schlub. For five minutes, it's not going to kill them. Or 10 or 20 or an hour. Well, I won't be that late. What time are you supposed to be here today? Whenever I wanted to be here no, today. No, you said you would be here at what time? Which which time did I tell you? Which time? Originally? Originally to be 11 o'clock. 11, yeah. And you, you said- I got here at 2. At 11? No. Hold on. Don't try to like <laughs> jump. Here, listen, people. Andrew said, I'll be there at 11 o'clock. That was yesterday. And then at 7.30 this morning, he texts me and goes, I need to sleep some more. 
I'll be there at one. And I was like, cool. Because I got two hours of sleep. No, I'm not saying you're not justified. I'm not saying you're not justified. My response was, okay, cool. Because I can deal with that. I go, all right, I got two more hours of stuff that I can That's do. What, it sure shouldn't bother you. It, and I wasn't bothered. I'm just using that as an example. Because then, like at 10 o'clock, uh, you know. No, it was 1130. We can look. We'll look. We can look. I think it was 1130. Because I was already on the go, road. And you're like, mm, it's actually going to be closer to two. Yeah. Yeah. I go, that's just you. <laughs> so I go into it knowing. Yeah. Most people do. If they know me well enough, they know that I'm yeah. going to be late. My sister. So I don't get bent out of shape. And my it. parents are always like, my sister gets to the point where she tells me to be there early. If the family's going to meet at two, she tells me to be at one thirty. But if you know that, then how does it, it doesn't work? I don't always know that though. She doesn't ever tell me that. I just, she just sometimes does it. And so I, I'm like, all right. And I end up being there at like two when everybody else gets there. You're like, sorry, I'm late. And they're like, uh, yeah, you're, you're the not, third person yeah. here. I try not to, though. I really try hard not to. Most of the time. <laughs> Most, I mean, try not. You should always try no, not to today do today it didn't matter. Like today, it doesn't matter. We had something we had to do today and we're going to get it done. And so okay. to me, it doesn't matter. But like when I go, let's say, for example. But wait, before you move on. So to you, it didn't matter. But you didn't ever ask me if it mattered to me. I did too. I asked you three times in one text if that was okay. No, 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 you didn't. Yeah, I did. I think you like said it in such an apologetic manner that I was like, oh, I feel bad for him. Maybe you took it that way, but what I meant was like, is that okay? Because if not, I'll get out of bed and I'll come. No. And you're like, no, it's fine. It is fine. I said okay to the first one. I, I like, know you okay. did. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually not bad out of shape. It's and the okay is hard to read on text because I don't know if that's okay, you murderer, or if it's like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah, for you, look, we're close enough that if you bend me out of shape, I'll let you know. Oh, I know you will. Yeah. I know you will. So normally, I kind of go, it's fine. My wife and daughter, it's a little different. So what I've done, I mean, I have to be okay with that. Well, yeah, you have to. So I make my kids. You can't get bent out about that. No, it takes me like 42 seconds to get ready. And it takes them a little while longer, justifiably. Look, I'm happy. They want to spend the time to look nice and pretty. And I I mean, why would I ever say. And you don't. Yeah, I got you. I go, I don't got that much to work with. (laughs) You know, a little lipstick isn't going to help this pig. Yeah. So I look at it and I go, all right, we're supposed to leave at seven. That means at 6.59, I need to go start getting ready. <laughs> and then we'll leave around 7.15, 7.20. Going out was just me and my wife, my daughter going out and we're late. I don't really care. But when someone expects us to be somewhere, if we're supposed to meet somebody or if we say, hey, the thing tonight is from seven to 10 in my brain, I'm supposed to be there at seven. And my wife's like, that's seven to 10, you know, show up at eight o'clock, no big deal. And she's right. Yeah. I was going to say something like that. That's right. She's right. But in my brain, I am like, everything is becoming itchy and scratchy. Cause I'm like I know. seven o'clock it said seven o'clock. I can't, that's why it's, that's why it's on the list. So it, ex- I know, but I try to be good when I'm with you. I try to be good when we go to do stuff. Yeah. We're at conventions and we just got to, I'm. Because you know. I try much better to be on time Because it sours me. Yeah. You're like, it's like I drank spoiled milk or something. Yeah. And then when I do stuff for like TXA and all that stuff, I'm on time. Well, this isn't supposed to be about Bob and Andrew. Yeah. Well, it is, but it not is Bob not. and Andrew. It's supposed to be about Bob and then it's going to be about Andrew. <laughs> By that, what's your next? So my next one is actually, it's still a little, it's work and life related. It's everything related. And it's really, it's kind of weird. And I don't even know how it evolved into what it is. And it's. I like the sound of it so far. No, it's not. It's really boring. The most of these are going to be kind of boring. I am overly compulsive about computer file names, mm. which is terrible. Yeah. But it's part of the organizational thing. I'm already giggling inside a little bit. I know. 
Because I'm just thinking about, oh, my God, I could totally start messing with Andrew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is why I don't share those. You know, it's why I don't want to share mm. files on the, on the <laughs> Dropbox because mm. somebody's going to check with the names or want to do. You know, I'm like, I don't want to do that. Do okay. That. Can I ask you a couple questions real quick? Yeah. So, you know, because in the old days, you used to have to, everything had to be connected. So you say like Bob underscore Borson. That is how they are. Right. Now you don't need that. I know, but it doesn't matter. You still do it? Yep. I go, you're a moron. Nope. <laughs> Why would you do it? It doesn't matter. Because that's how I'd like to be. So so it's always, if somebody starts in my office, that is a sheet of paper that they get. This is the way files are named and this is how it goes. And then that's how it is at my, in my house too. Files are named. <laughs> do you talk to your daughter? This way. Like, they don't get on my stuff. Or is that like, you know, the little stamp tape thing, like the brother, the P touch or whatever you used to do the underscores. <laughs> the on label that? maker? Yeah. No. So you're like knife drawer. Is it knife underscore drawer? <laughs> no, I don't have, I don't label that stuff. It's date, which is reverse date. So the year, the month, the day, and then underscore. And then there is, if it's in my office, it's the project number. And then underscore, there's a category for something. And then underscore, there's the actual description. So there's a whole list of exactly what these things are. And it's like that for everything. That and is so crazy. It's anywhere I want to go. My files are named. I mean, this is the point that if they're not named that way in my office, and some, I'll rename them. People in my office will get mad because the file path gets lost. And I'm like, I fixed the file name. To just go redo it. They should be mad at you. <laughs> no, it's my office. It's my yeah, stuff. I know. But that's, like, that's the only, you can respond. It's my way or the highway. Yeah. But that's it because it's so, but to me, it makes a lot of sense. If I do it that way, I can order everything either chronological, reverse chronological, and get it new and get it old. Well, how you name it it has nothing to do with the chronology of it. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Because You're talking about the chronology that you name it. You're talking about when you do it by year and that kind of thing? Yes. Because you can just sort it by like when it was modified. Yeah, but that doesn't, that's not true. What if it was something that I did? No, I got you. But then it got modified at a different time or if it got created and modified and created dates are not always correct. I I know. I got you. But, but. And I'm moving, I'm moving off this a little bit. You don't have to have the underscore between the year. I know, I don't. I just like it. It just, because. See, I hate the underscore. Because it's a solid, it's not two spaces. It's always exactly the same. So when I'm looking at it, all those things, like, that's another part of it, right? It's all these things sort of line up, right? It's like, because the dates are 07, 05, the zero is a placeholder. Wait, do you hear that? You hear that? Uh-uh. It's people going, Andrew's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. All right. So we're rolling over from my hypotheticals to being stupid to no, no, everything right. being you're, stupid. No, I got your, it. All your right, hypotheticals right. aren't stupid. They're just it's wrong. wrong. They're yeah. Just okay. Wrong. Yeah, all right. So underscore, I go, do you also use like pin bar and mylar? No. You just don't need it anymore. And it doesn't change. I don't change. care. I don't want to go back and have to rename all the files from when I did use it. Okay. You just want everything to be the same. There's no change. Yep. All right. That's the part we should be talking In about. In the file naming structure. Your, That's it. Your inflexibility in evolving with technology. The, Whatever. The you know, day, I evolve day. with technology a lot. <laughs> so your day one naming convention is still the one you use today. Yeah. Even though you don't need to do that anymore. Yeah. Okay. Because it doesn't hurt anything. Except for the person that has to go redo all their paths because you changed everything by renaming the file. If they would have renamed it the way I showed them to rename <laughs> it on the first day that they started work, it wouldn't be that way. Fair enough. I'm all right. just saying. Again, well, the way we define this episode is perfectly that qualifies. what I'm kicking out right now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's exactly it. So on to the next. I wanted to put something that was not quite so, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to put 
the only hobby I have is smoking barbecue and I'm a little obsessed with it. And the thing is, I don't even eat that much of it. Yeah. I think you're obsessed with the process of it. I'm it's taking, a very methodical. I mean, I take, you. I take notes. I've, I have so many books on the subject. <laughs> yeah. I do experiments and I record like, did this work? And did this not work? And is this better? And can I improve this? And yeah. And it's to the point to where it's not even about eating it anymore. It's about the process and trying to achieve perfection. Yeah. It's trying to get that one bite to be perfect, not cooking and eating it, enjoying it. It's like cooking it so that it's exactly the way it should be when I cut that first bite. And then after that, I don't really care. No, that's not true. I care. No. no. And the thing is, is. But if you don't like to eat it. No, I do like to eat it. I just, I can't eat it. My, <laughs> the brisket I make is really rich. Like my daughter, let's say in the last five months. I don't do it every weekend, but I bet in the last five months, I've probably cooked about 10 briskets, which is really not that much. Two I mean, a month, maybe? That's a lot if you're just doing it as a hobby. I that's mean, right. So I give all that away because we're not eating that much brisket in the Borson house. Yeah. Or pork or whatever it is. And none of it's coming my way, but I got you. Well, because you, hey, when you come <laughs> up here and I have it, do I not always pack you? Yeah, I know. You leave once, with it. Yeah. No, more than once. Nope, once. I gave you the cryovac pack pork. That was that one time. Yeah. But then I also sent you with uh, brisket and some of the pork belly that one time. That was all the same time. I don't think it was. It was. All right. Well, I'll give you some this time because I have it. (laughs) That's okay. I'm just giving you a hard time. Well, everyone in my office and my neighbor, they're the ones. They get, they reap the benefits of your, or it depends how it turns out. Well, no, if it's bad, I don't give it away. Oh, do you just trash it? Uh, I mean, or you eat it, but like. if, well, if it's bad, I give it to my neighbor. I mean, he gets this if it's good, too. Yeah, yeah. But look, I've been doing this for 17 years, right? So when I think it's bad, everyone else goes, this is still like. Have you really been doing it that long? 17 years. I didn't think you'd been doing it that long. Yeah, in fact. We're just not as much. uh, No, I've changed. I've changed what I cook. I used to do nothing but ribs. And so, in fact, probably until we had my 50th birthday party. Yeah. The best party we ever had was when Kate turned one years old. And we want to have a party because, you know, we have one kid. She's amazing. And we want to one year. They're so fantastic. And I know. Well, just the fact that she exists. No, I know. Yeah, I was like, it was amazing. But who wants to go to a one-year-old birthday party? If it's not your kid, there's not like somehow some strain of your DNA is not in there. Typically, yeah, it's not a. Nobody wants to come. So we said, well, let's, let's have a beer and barbecue party and we'll have a little smash cake on the side. So I ended up cooking about 20 racks of ribs. We invited maybe 60, 70 people, like every single person showed up. And it was an awesome point. It was in my backyard. I was on a half acre lot at the time. And we had people in the pool. We had people playing volleyball and badminton. And I cooked all these ribs like the whole day before. There were people just watching them eat this stuff was the biggest thrill. Because they're like, it was disgusting. (laughs) There was this friend of mine. His name was Jeff. I loved him. He was great. Every time I went in the house, he was like sneaking extra ribs and he was eating them like popsicles. Like he'd take the bone and he'd like jam the whole rib down his throat and like and peel pull it out off a clean with the, bone. Yeah. And so, and that was a That's great That's a party. serious rib eater. Well, Props they were, to Jeff. I, I should say the bone. they were baby back ribs. Oh, okay. So they weren't huge. Yes. Yeah, they weren't going like literally down his throat, but. <laughs> they weren't beef ribs. <laughs> they were not beef ribs. So, but I did that for a long time. Yeah. And then right. probably, I don't know, about two years ago and I never liked brisket. And then two years ago, I went someplace and I ordered one of like the sampler packs 
because one of these places that's really good and the line was like five hours long yeah so rather than go well, let me have some of this some of that I just go give me the big box and inside the big box it included some brisket and had the first beef rib I'll tell you beef rib story later tonight and I had it and I was like this brisket is amazing mm-hmm. like why have I not been eating this and I was like I need to start making brisket first one I made oh, was you couldn't even it wasn't even worthy of being used as a doorstop <laughs> So bad. I almost think that that's the pinnacle of Texas like barbecuing. Oh, it's the brisket. brisket. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what we're known for. Well, but I think it takes the most skill in all honesty. Well, maybe that's what it is because ribs, easy. Yeah. I mean, I think so too. Sausage doesn't even count because it's not hard to cook. It's what you put. I mean, if you make your own sausage, that's where it's that's at. That's the right? skill. But yeah, I think brisket is the pinnacle of skill. I would agree with that just from my own personal experience. I don't think I could screw up a pork butt. I mean, I'd have to actively try to screw it up. So now, I, if, like, I have this deal. I always compare it to, like, making egg rolls. If you're going to make one egg roll, you can make, like, 500. <laughs> yeah, by the time you get, yeah. Yeah, like, all it, the things it, you yeah. got to do to get the one, you just might as well just make a bunch. Yeah. So in the smoker that I have, if I'm going to cook one pork butt, I can do, like, six. You know, there's a lot of space in there, and it, it's not like I need more wood to Yeah, the fire is the same, yeah. It's the same fire. So I would say, hey, you buy the pork butt. I'll make it labor and effort and attention. That's all for free. Yeah. I was like, I'm a super nice guy. And then all of a sudden I became like this bespoke barbecue order department. I was like, okay, I need to stop making that offer to people. (laughs) They're like, Hey, when are you making a barbecue? I'd like to get an order in. Like, Hey man, uh, I don't know. It's probably about three months out. (laughs) I'm like, how about a little something for the effort? (laughs) Oh wait. Yeah. I'm going to spend my Saturday because you asked. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, barbecue for me. No, that's good. My current obsession with that relation is trying to check off all the places. Yeah. So you just you got a new place off your list just the other weekend. It's now moved to the top of my priority to start trying to hunt down some of that stuff. Yeah. And again, when I do that, it's all weighed by brisket. Yeah. That's the stick measure. Anyway. So, all right. So what's your next one? Oh, okay. So, yeah, this is my last one. And it's sort of, it's an all-encompassing thing again. And this is going to be super dorky. I'm I'm expecting this one to change my life. It's not. Not that it's going to change your life. Because none of these things I obsess over are that fantastical. They're pretty mundane. This one is, I don't really know how to explain it other than logging my life. It's a recent, not recent, I guess it's been a decade. But since you could be able to track yourself on a cell phone and check into a place, I have a backlog of my entire existence for the past whatever. Like what you've done and where you've been? Yes. Not in a Facebook sort of way, but in a statistical way of, here I am, I went to the bank, I went to the cleaners, I went to lunch here, I went back to my office. All those places I can check into on this stupid app that's changed a few times. I have a a very detailed and yet unusable, that serves no purpose. Well, it might save you from when you get arrested for murder. Well, but other than that. Well, they go, where were you on March 23rd? I'm like, I'd be in jail because I I have no idea. Yeah, but I could go back and look. Oh, look, I did this, this, and this, and this. Yeah. And there's no point to it. And in the beginning, it was a fun thing. And there was other people that we mutually used the app. I could see what my friends were doing and blah, blah. And now it's just me. And I just, it's... (laughs) Everyone else has come to their senses. Right. Or they've bailed out on it or whatever. It's not trendy anymore. It hasn't stopped me that I log, like, I log that I was here and I, everything, yeah. everything, everything. And I don't even know why. But it's like very compulsive and I'm obsessive about it. And people give me grief about it. Like, what are you doing? Like, when I go on trips with my friends and stuff and they're like, man, why? He's doing that all the time. And I'm like, it's not like I'm trying to be 
I'm not doing it like I'm checking in on Facebook to show how cool my life is kind of thing. I'm doing it as yeah, it's a- not, No one else- It's like record keeping is yeah, what it is. It's not published anywhere. No, it's not published anywhere. It's just this weird sort of- I mean, it's almost like a diary in a way, but not because it's not touchy-feely. It's just straight up stats. Yeah. I've been to 452 barbecue joints or, you know, when was I at this- Does the app you use allow you to sort things like how many barbecue places you've been yeah, to? Yeah, I can. And it's got the other cool thing is it's got a map. You might you might have to show me that app. I can pull up a map and it's got dots of all the places everywhere that I've been. Makes me feel a little bit better sometimes that they're not all in <laughs> the thirty mile radius of my house. Yeah, your, can, your red dot can isn't go, just oh, well, one really big yeah. red dot now. Again, it's it's really there's no sense to it. There's no reason to it, but I am obsessed with it. I don't know if that really falls into this category because I'm not gonna. I won't defend it as. If you don't do this, you're wrong. You're acknowledging that it's kind of crazy. Yeah, but it's pretty crazy. But you do it anyway. But I do it anyway. That might fall into the OCD, not the OCPD. Maybe, but I acknowledge it. I know. I don't know. I mean, I could stop. It doesn't. I don't could, think. It could fit. you? Yeah, probably. If you're being honest with yourself. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> if the app got <laughs> If I was forced to. <laughs> so clearly, what I don't know, but what I believe to be true to a certain extent circles all the way back to the very beginning when we were talking about how you define what OCPD is and has to do with the orderliness. I kind of go, are these tendencies that we have so we gravitate towards the field of practice that we're in? Because I've read that there are some companies like SAP, software company, that they're actually looking for people now like have Asperger's because they do really well in the jobs that they want people to do really well in. That's crazy. I read it. Oh, I read it on the internet, so maybe it's not true. So it's probably, yeah, it's 100% true. It's totally real. Maybe SAP. If you heard that SAP, if you're listening, send us a note. Yeah, well, it's on the internet, SAP. You got to get rid of it. Just put one of your Asperger people on it. (laughs) (laughs) To hunt it down in all the locations that it is on the internet. I wonder if architects as a profession, as a trade, or even like the roles that architects play within our profession, you know, like if you're a designer, if you're a project architect, if you're specifications, if you're management. Yeah, I'm sure that all sort of like yeah, it works in there some way, right? You wonder, or is it just, well, everybody's like this. Everybody's got it. I do think that everybody's got this. I don't think that we're unique and that we have these kind of tendencies, but maybe the things where these tendencies manifest themselves align with what kind of vocation you end up being suited for. Maybe so. I would say maybe that the people in our profession tend to maybe have these things that are more organizational related, more orderly related, like the definition. That bent of OCPD is why we end up in our profession. Maybe. I'm going to go to the internet later, do more, a little more research. Okay. Now it's time. That's not the theme song. That is not. (laughs) I don't even know what that was like. Oh, we're about to start jousting. I know. It's it's, it's that medieval times game I played on my Commodore 64. But did you, I made that sound with my mouth. That was pretty good. It wasn't bad. Yeah. Not bad. Okay. Hypothetical time. So here's today's hypothetical. All right. Lay it on me. You were dropped off and locked into a Walmart for five years. You can't leave. There will be no deliveries or customers employees, visitors, etc. It's you and the Walmart. Stranded on a deserted Walmart. Yeah, for five years. Our magic five years. Yep. When the doors are open five years later, like when I come to let you out, what does the interior of that Walmart look like? What have you been doing? And are you ready to leave? (laughs) (laughs) I think that last question is a pretty easy one. Yeah, I'd be ready to leave. 
Let me ask you this, though, because I've been pondering some things. You're trying to ferret out my twists. No, no. Well, does it have an outdoor area that I can access? Yeah, it's like a super Walmart. So I'm not stuck inside. Yeah, you can go outside, but you know how- You're still in the cage. Yeah, it's like you're going out there and there's like bags of mulch and- But there's plants and and stuff. And there's plants and- So that's one question, just as whether or not I was going to have to somehow- climb up some columns with a ladder in there and start breaking holes in the roof so I could get some daylight. They got a lot of skylights in the Walmart. If it's a newer one. Yeah. Some of the older ones don't. This one's brand spanking new. Okay. It's got like the bakery and the floral shop and it's like the greatest Walmart that exists. That's when I locked you in. The first question that I thought of is like, there's all the food. You got to start with the perishables, but is there anywhere for you to cook stuff? I mean, they have the pots and the pans, but it's not like they sell stoves. They got microwaves. Mm-hmm. So I have to microwave food, eat all the perishable stuff first. They got freezers there, you know. Yeah, they might. That's true. Yeah, they got freezers. You could like, you know, and a lot I of them. I could go back and freeze all my stuff. Yeah, and a lot of them have like, they like have rotisserie chickens. They have like ovens and stuff. I don't go in a lot of Walmarts, quite honestly. I don't either. I haven't been one in But I'm going to assume, because that's how I envision it, that there's cooking facilities. Okay. So food wouldn't be an issue. To me, the, really the first issue that popped in my head was bathing. There's not a shower, so I would have to, they sell shower parts, mm-hmm. but there's not a shower in there, I wouldn't imagine. My first challenge is going to be like breaking into the bathroom walls with sledgehammers and constructing a bathing facility. Yeah, okay. Interesting. <laughs> That's first. Five years without bathing is no. Five yeah. days without bathing is no. I might be tubbing it up. They don't sell tubs, Kitty Kitty pool. Depends what time of year. If it's in the winter... They ain't having kiddie pools. They're not there. I'm going to say they have kiddie pools. Ugh. See, now you're just making up. No, because I'm like, it's right now. Right now, it's 100 degrees. Yes, it already. is. They got kiddie pools. Yeah, so right. I, today, I locked you in the Walmart. Okay, fine. Still, I want to shower. I don't want to tub. I think that my idea would be I would make a house. I would make myself a home. Right. I would take, because it's what? I don't know. How big are those things? 100,000 square feet. They're huge. I would end up cornering off a section of it to be my living space. I don't need a 4,000 square foot living room and I wouldn't want to have different spaces all over it. I would really try to go over in some corner, probably close to where the outdoor space is so that I could walk out the doors if I wanted to go outside. That would be my house. I would set everything up. I would take all the appliances and TVs and blah, blah, blah and all that stuff and make a makeshift home out of the stuff that I wanted. Would you like try to build walls or it would just be? It depends. I don't I mean don't... like build walls like. Two by fours and she rocks. No, yeah, I would totally destroy shelving units and make space. Yeah. So your line of sight doesn't travel across the store when you go to the space where you consider it to be your... to my home. Totally. I would fabricate things out of all that stuff, make rooms and compartments. Would you, within that footprint, within the footprint, have rooms? Or would you say, well, my sleeping room is over in this section of the store and I have a space. And then over here is my entertainment space. Or would you like dismantle everything and bring it to one central location? I dismantle everything. Well, a lot of it. Enough that I needed. I would carve out whatever, 2,000 square feet or not even need that much. But I would carve out a space and I would make those rooms that would be like a normal size living room, a normal size whatever, as much as humanly possible. Because the rest of the space, I would try to like bear it out, shove everything into one spot or make some sort of bicycle obstacle course or something you know i would do it so that the rest of that space i could do whatever right whatever it was i wanted to do if it was like i'm gonna start it can look like garbage but you don't have to look at it well not like it looks like garbage it's gonna be a 
flexible slash recreational space where I can ride bikes or if I want to decide I'm going to shoot shotguns in the Walmart, I can do that. That's right. You can. Right. I mean, whatever. If I wanted to make it so that I could run an obstacle course or I'm going to run laps around whatever, that's outside my home. So that there's this, or there's a space that is my home and then the space that's not my quote unquote home. Right. And all the rest of that is whatever. Not to mention at some point I'd probably be go over to the electronics department with a sledgehammer and break all the TVs that I wasn't using just because if I'm in there for five years, I'm probably going to need some stress release. Oh, yeah. You think so? Yeah. That's interesting. So I'd go do stuff like that, right? I didn't have a, a thing like, I didn't have a destructive bent. I don't think it would dawn on me to go smash TVs or throw stuff. Well, I just think at some point, because I'm just going to get so like frustrated that I'm in there by myself. I would get scared, I think. Well, I'm not going to get scared. I, I think after a while, I'd hundred shotguns in Walmart. No, no, not like I couldn't defend myself, but just kind of like it's a big space and you're sitting there and it's like quiet and all of a sudden you hear, yeah. like, what was that? Well, that's why I would. I'm in here by myself. What's up? Ghost. Move all my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so we can kind of say, well, the food's really not, we're going to say the food's not so much an issue, which honestly, it really would be to a certain extent. At some point, I think it would be. But you could probably like, you could bake stuff. And they've got a lot of meat and it's frozen. And I'm sure they have the cryovac thing. So you could vacuum seal things so that it would, wouldn't get all freezer burned. Yeah, but I still don't know if that's going to last five years. Yeah. And then like. I think by year start of year five, you're eating Twinkies and you're down yeah. to the yeah. canned beans. That would be the big concern. But I think that I have to spend some time. I mean, it'd take me like a month before I got to that point. Because like the first month. Oh, my God. I mean, it would just be chaos. <laughs> I mean. I'd I'd have fun. I think I'd have a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I'd be like, bows and arrows. Let's shoot some bows and arrows and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I would try to see if I couldn't- Do like, it everything. Could I hook up these 12 TVs so I could have like one giant TV or something? Everything that I wasn't going to use, I think I would create like a dead zone. I'd wall off a section. If I don't want it, women's clothing. I don't need it. I don't want to look at it. So maybe I'd burn it for- <laughs> Not out of spite or because I'm bored, but maybe I needed to cook some chicken, cook some chicken <laughs> and light these bras on fire. <laughs> I think I would get rid of that so I could like dismantle shelves and I would probably stack them up very orderly because I think that visual clutter is a source of stress for me. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have things be crazy. I wouldn't be tipping stuff. That's why I go. I don't think I'd break TVs because then I go, oh. I got to clean all that stuff. Well, up but I might do it because I would else would I have to do. Or I'd just throw them in that area with the women's clothes. I do think that I would shoot some guns. And I'm not a gun person. Yeah. But if it's there, I think that I'd go. I'd like, I'd shoot the can. And I'm pretty sure I would sit up in places and walk around and then go, Spectre, private, Bob boards, and like whip around a corner and see if I couldn't like pop off a shot and hit yeah. the can. I mean, I know some of that foolishness would be going on. For sure. For I sure. think so. Sure. At least and for I, the first while. The clothes, like you're going to have to start dressing with the clothes that's in there. Yeah, I would imagine. So I was like, would I do laundry or would I just like, oh, today is a, this outfit. Do I have five years worth of underwear or at some point? I got to wash something. Yeah. Do I just take my underwear off and I flip it over the wall where all the ladies clothing are and I just have like this mound of clothes. I either won't wear it or it's dirty or it's not my size. That kind of thing. That brings up an interesting point that I hadn't thought about would be the waste. Everything you do, eat, whatever. You got to have somewhere to put all the trash, which that would be the hard part because after five years, be that old of package of chicken that I, you know, right? Like, oh. You'd have to compost. Yeah, I guess. Maybe I'd do that outside. But even still. They have composters there. Not everything is compostable. No. I mean, the plastic wrap that the chicken comes in, 
But I think you could store that stuff. Thing is, the trash you go. I don't want to stink. I don't want to get gross. I don't yeah. want to attract bugs. Yeah. So you can't be storing but you still have garbage put it. inside the building. Oh, you think you put it outside? Well, they do have trash compactors, so it's like you could really kind of get some stuff in there and compress uh, it down. I see you're going somewhere else. I was. I know I'd be an expert forklift driver after five years. Oh, yeah. I do some crazy stuff with a forklift. Yeah. Except it'd run out of propane. You might not be able to use it anymore. Well, I don't think I'd be riding it every day. I think My I master would happen quickly. No, I think I'd have to. I'd use that to deal with the shelving stuff and make my living space. How long do you think it would be before you would start timing how fast a lap? Like, would you do a forklift obstacle course? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> See if you couldn't, like, do a power slide around that exactly. column and shave yeah, a couple exactly. seconds off your lap. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we both think we'd come out okay on this. Yeah, I think it'd be fine. I don't see that there's any... It's more doable than the deserted island scenario. Yeah, I think I'd feel better about myself after five years on the island. Like, I'd be like, woohoo, I did it. Like, things amazing, changed my life. Yeah. I, I would look at things differently. I think you would look at things differently, too, after you got stuck in a Walmart for I five years, I think I'd come too, out probably really unhealthy. Yeah. Well, like, I think it'd have to be. Bad. Although, except, see, that's why I would have my bicycles or running or whatever. They have, they have, they have gym stuff, yeah. Yeah. You could... Come out, just ripped up. <laughs> I'm like, there's be no like one, I was out of prison. I'll just. There's no one to appreciate this, so I wouldn't be putting the effort in. I don't think. I mean, like, no, nah, I'm gonna like bust out those doors and be like swole. I'm like, <laughs> I only have five years worth of cheese puffs in here. So I gotta <laughs> ration them out. Whatever. Okay, I'm gonna call that a wrap. Thank you for being with us today for episode 31 obsession if you like today's episode please take the next 30 seconds and head on over to itunes or your favorite listening app and subscribe so you get fresh new episodes automatically downloaded every two weeks while you're there but only if you're feeling generous please leave us some feedback as we'd really like to hear your thoughts on the show and a five star that's not really a thing rating be sure to visit the original life of an architect.com for show notes links info and photos from this episode also, be sure to stick around until the very end, and we'll attempt to reward you with our version of a blooper reel. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take it easy, everybody. Cheers. Are you recording this right now? I am. Oh, okay. I'm not it's fine. It's not. I mean, we cut it out. Yeah, I don't even want it on tape. I know. I don't even want to take. Okay, look, hold on. I'm hitting pause. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> yeah, I know about it. Uh, t- we'll talk about it later. It's fine. We'll no, wait, wait, wait. Look, look, listen. Sure, you are. I'll just cut it out. It's no. fine. You're gonna find out that it. I hit pause. I'm a man of my word. <laughs> Don't. I'm don't. not. I'm stopped. Don't. It's recording. Oh, I'm stopped. That's fine. It can be recording. I'm done. Like all that. the things that you just said. I said I stopped. Hypothetical. You know, I feel bad. That one guy's like, hey, maybe you can talk about what happens in your office more often. I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. No. <laughs> They're just not. Well, I just, you know, I was. that's the other thing I was thinking about. I said, like, we keep doing these. And I'm like, well, we came up with a new segment, like, in my office, in my spare time. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't have any of those things. And those are all boring. Yeah, I go, I like doing <laughs> They're this. They're not fun. Yeah, so this is for me. <laughs> Here we go. Wait. Well, that's fine. Go ahead. Wait. <laughs> no, I was going to say never what order. Leave us a five star. You need to get a real problem in your life rating. <laughs> <laughs> Leave us a five star. I obsess- you obsess over some boring stuff. <laughs>